Welcome to Stuff to Blow Your Mind from HowStuffWorks.com. Hey, welcome to Stuff to Blow Your Mind. My name is Robert Lamb. And I'm Julie Douglas. And, uh, you know, when you look at space exploration, you know, we're looking outward, but then there's also a lot of looking inward. Mm-hmm. Um, just about anything humans do, you can sort of make a case for the selfishness of it and the self-absorption of it. So we look out into space because we want to know something about ourselves a lot of the times. So we want to know what's out there because we want to know where we fit in. We want to know if there's intelligent life or life out there at all because that puts who we are and what we are in some level of perspective. And that's uh, one area where uh, SETI comes into play, the, the search for extraterrestrial intelligence. Right. And so as long as there have been humans, um, there has been this question of, are we alone in the universe? Because you can't help but look up in the night sky and say, is that it? Yeah. You know, is there, are we unique? There are all sorts of questions that roll out here. Now, of course, uh, astrophysicists, astrobiologists, um, astronomers are all trying to answer this question and they're looking more, uh, though, in the infancy of really this possibility of intelligent life. And when I say infancy, I'm talking more about Mars and the possibility of microbial life there. Right. Or Jupiter's moon, Europa, and the presence of water underneath the frozen oceans. Or liquid hydrocarbon uh, lakes on Saturn's moon, Titan. So we have to look there first because we know that those are sort of the building blocks of microbial life, which mm-hmm. then evolves into something more significant or complex, I should say. So, of course, this leads to this question of, well, are we really unique? Um, is life, the flora and, and fauna on Earth, unique to us? Is that it? Um, and this is a huge question, and we have to unpack it a little bit. Yeah, I mean, as we've discussed before, when, when you're talking about life, I mean, ultimately we have the one model to go on. So we inevitably we keep coming back to that. What is life consist of on this planet? What are the parameters for life as we have seen it so far as we know it? And uh, and what are the, what's the chemical formula for it? What is required? What elements do we need to look for? It's uh, I, I often think about it. It's kind of like um, shopping for a new house. You know, you're looking at all right now. What, what's what kind of neighborhood do I want to live in? What, what, what do I need to be close enough to? What resources need to be nearby to make it agreeable? What, what type of neighborhood is, is too hostile to me? Uh, you know, like one, one area is going to be too fancy, too, too rich, just exclude me completely. Another area, uh, might be a war zone. You know, <laughs> we have to, t- to take all of this into, into account, even when we're, we're looking for, uh, extraterrestrial life, because we're looking at where, where else could life exist? Uh, more or less like it exists here. You're right. So we really have to turn to ourselves. And we know that the co- the chemical composition of Earth-based life consists of hydrogen, carbon, and oxygen. So that accounts for more than 95% of the atoms in the human body and in all other known life. So of those three, carbon is really the star of the show since it can bond with itself and other molecules really easily, and mm-hmm. it's a very strong bond. Now, if you kind of take the lens here from, from humans and... and um, and other life on Earth, and you sort of go out a little bit into the universe, what do you find? You find the most common elements in the universe are hydrogen, helium, carbon, and oxygen. Right. Okay, so what is this saying? This is saying that uh, life is not chemically special, uh, especially if you consider that the basis of it can be easily found in the universe and then harnessed here on Earth. And if life on Earth were composed primarily of manganese or molybdenum, then we would have 
excellent reason to suspect that we're something special in the universe, but yeah. it's not. Yeah, all this stuff is is everywhere. It's kind of, you know, it's kind of like um, you know when you you're at a certain age and you find this book that you really dig, and you're like, oh my goodness, this is the the most, or, or an album. Say it's an album by a group, and you're like, oh, this is the most precious thing. This, I love this this album and this book so much. It speaks directly to me. The artist is speaking directly to me, and only I can really appreciate it in the way that I'm appreciating it now. And then you realize, oh, it's a nas- nationwide bestseller, or it's it's on the top ten Billboard charts, or you know, the, it went triple platinum or whatever. And you realize, oh, actually, this appeals to a lot of people, and I am yeah. not special in liking it. Yeah, and you discover that it's playing throughout the universe, right? right? The same music, and it's those same elements, those same ingredients that make us that are out there in the stars. And we've talked about this before because you've talked about if a star implodes. Um, you know, is throwing out all sorts of material into the universe. And, and you know, there's the, the great quote by Lawrence Krauss that says, you know, the atoms in your right hand or in your left hand all came from that one star exploding. So it makes sense. This is this is the stuff that's making that soup. This is the base of the soup. Um, and if you take that logic, then you start to say, OK, it's not unique. This is a recipe that could be uh, executed elsewhere out in the universe. Yes, but of course the thing about recipes, uh, as we all know, <laughs> is that it's it's not merely enough to know what goes in, but you have to know uh, what amounts go in. You need to know, is it, one, is it a tablespoon of salt or a teaspoon of salt? Um, it makes the world of difference. Um, it, are certain substitutions allowed? Uh, which ones are not? Um, how are you heating it? How are you preparing it? Right. They make all the difference in, in the ultimate outcome of the recipe. And likewise, there is a lot of that to take into account just chemically with, with Earth and life on Earth. Uh, uh, in his book, Neil deGrasse Tyson points out the, the oxygen thing. You need a lot of free oxygen. And uh, that needs to be supported by some sort of a system on our planet. It's supported, of course, by all of the uh, the vegetation that we uh, that we have on this planet. So you have to have uh, the right circumstances in place to allow the right chemical uh, situation to be in order. Yeah, so evolution is kind of like the baking time, right? Yeah. So if it takes 10 billion years for a planet to become hospitable, then that's 10 billion years of baking time. And yes. so you have to consider that when when we're talking about exoplanets and we're talking about them being just the right distance from the star or um, from a sun or a moon, uh, to have the correct elements there for the baking, right? That's just one aspect of it. But again, the ingredients for the, for the recipe are out there, uh, which makes it so tantalizing of a question of whether or not there exists uh, other life and intelligent life at that. Um, of course, we had to go back to something called the Copernican principle uh, to really sort of understand how life may not be that special in the first place. Yeah, and this, this of course, comes from... Uh, I should the, say chemical life. Yes. <laughs> this, of course, comes to us uh, from uh, mid-1500 uh, Polish astronomer Nicholas Copernicus. Um, and, uh, and basically the whole deal here is that we are nothing special. And that you cannot enter a scientific uh, analysis of the universe with the idea that we're something special. There are a number of different uh, things that spin off of this. Uh, for instance, um, in 1974, astronomer Brandon Carter tackled uh, the, the quandary of our anth- anthropic uh, coincidence, the idea that there are a number of coincidences that supposedly make life on Earth possible. Um, and he uh, hypothesized that these uh, coincidences are part of the universe's very structure and that chance has nothing uh, t- to do with it. He proposed two variants. Uh, the most uh, important what we're talking about here is the strong anthropic principle. Mm-hmm. Uh, and in this, he drew on the Cop- uh, Copernican principle, uh, which again states that there's nothing special or privileged about Earth or humanity. Uh, we live in a universe capable of supporting life 
then uh, then only life-supporting universes are possible. You can really go down the rabbit hole with this. But uh, essentially, it's about putting aside any idea that we are special. Again, the, the, the album is a hit mm-hmm. around the universe. The, the building blocks are out there. Uh, we can't enter into uh, any kind of an analysis of or even a, a pondering of life elsewhere in the universe if we're thinking that we're special in some way. Yeah, and what I really like about the uh, Copernican principle is that it does show an evolution of understanding of our place in the universe because, uh, you know, Copernicus is sitting there saying, at a time where everybody was thinking the opposite, is saying, hey, the Earth is not the center of our solar system. Right. And so, of course, that was a crazy thought at the time. Yeah, because for the longest, yeah, Earth has to be the center. We're the center. We are we're, the center, right? We're God's uh, blessed creation. So we should be right there at the center. How can this whole thing not be about us? Right. Uh, we are it, right? Yeah. Um, but then there's this idea that evolves even more. Like, okay, hey, well, we're not the center of the solar system in the Milky Way. By the way, our Milky Way, our galaxy is not the center of the universe. Yeah. In fact, we're not even quite sure what the center is. Is there a center? Um, so you really do see this this understanding become much more complex and nuanced as we get more and more data from the world around us. Uh, because now we understand that Earth is just one of billions of planets that are all bathing in this same sort of uh, primary chemicals. Um, so that gets us to this area called the Drake Equation. So we really have to talk about this before we can even sort of say, okay, do aliens exist? How would they exist? How would we contact them? All right, we're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, even more on the search for extraterrestrial intelligence. Yes, the Drake Equation. So the Drake Equation is pretty widely known. Uh, it's been spun off into a number of interesting uh, little side projects. Like there was a, there's a, a really good episode of uh, This American Life where uh, some, a team of scientists try to use the Drake Equation to determine uh, whether they have a, a true love match out there in the world waiting for them, <laughs> as opposed to is there an, 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 another life form or other life forms elsewhere in the galaxy. Yeah, because I want to say this just at the front here, that the Drake Equation is not something that is solvable. It right. is It's really about probabilities and how to organize our thoughts about uh, the data that we have mm-hmm. and the missing data that yeah, we don't have. Yeah, it's about taking the one big question, the one big probability, is there life elsewhere in the universe, and breaking it down into smaller uh, questions, smaller probabilities that we can tackle individually. So the entire equation looks like this, and and this is not going to all make a lot of sense, but just in the, ca- in the, in the interest of getting it out there. It is N equals R star multiplied by F sub P multiplied by N sub E multiplied by F sub F sub L multiplied by F sub I multiplied by F sub C multiplied by capital L. And so all those numbers multiplied together help us to estimate the number N of technical, logical civilizations that might be able to detect us right now. Now, if you guys all bear with me, let me unpack that a little bit because I do think it's interesting, um, our star is the rate at which stars have been born in the Milky Way galaxy over the last few billion years. That's stars per year. Okay. And then all the F factors in this are fractions. So F sub P is a fraction of stars that have planets. N sub E is the average number of habitable planets in any planetary system. F sub L is the fraction of planets on which life actually begins. F sub I is the fraction of all those life forms that develop intelligence. See how this becomes tinier and yeah. tinier? Um, and then F sub C is the fraction of intelligent life that develop a civilization that uses some sort of transmitting technology. 
finally, L, which is really important here, and we'll talk more about this later, L is the longevity factor. On average, how many years do those transmitters continue to operate? Yeah. Because as we know, civilizations come and go. Yeah, like I, I kind of like to think of it in terms of a video store. Like, you know, and some of you may ask, what is, what, what is that? Because they are starting to disappear more and more. But uh, like in, in Atlanta, we have this really cool video store called Videodrome. I still like to go there just mm-hmm. to, to browse around for nostalgia, if nothing else. But, you know, I walk into a video store and I have, you know, X number of videos at my disposal for possible rent. But then you have to, you have to carve that down. All right, of all the, the videos here, I can only check out ones that are checked in. So that decreases the number. I can, then maybe I'm only interested in seeing an English uh, language film because I don't want to read subtitles tonight. So then we have to cut that down. Mm-hmm. Then I say I'm only interested in, in seeing a horror movie. So that cuts it down even more. And then I'm only interested in seeing a horror movie that I haven't already seen. So that cuts it down even more. And again, you just get down to there are X number of films that I could potentially rent this evening. Now, what, what I think is cool about the Drake equation is that uh, yes, there's no right answer right now, mm-hmm. and this is just a way of organizing information. Because a lot of it does depend on who's plugging in the data and why. Right. Know? In the same way that my the data I plug into this uh, Videodrome equation could be different one day from the next. The deal is, though, is that astronomers are actually getting at this equation, right? Mm-hmm. They've already tried to figure out about three of those different fractions. So they're trying to figure out the fraction of stars that have planets, the average number of habitable planets, and the, the the fraction of planets on which life actually begins. So they're getting to that. So when I talk about uh, exoplanets that are habitable and that Goldilocks zone, not too hot, not too cold, that's one aspect of it that yes. they're beginning to collect data on. Um, and they're beginning to say, like, okay, well, now we can get these chemical signatures and try to figure out, you know, how much carbon is being produced there, how much methane, uh, which... You know, something we'll talk more about mm-hmm. as pretty plentiful here on Earth. And that's a, that's a huge signal that there's something going on on that planet, right? Yes, probably cows. Probably cows, uh, as well as other, you know, factors that, that create methane that I won't go into. Uh, but anyway, my point is, is that yes, this is, uh, this is somewhat of a thought experiment, but astronomers are scratching away at it and they're getting some concrete information in there. Yeah. Um, I mean, historically with it, uh- the estimate, the results have varied again, depending on what's going into it, and they varied from there being one, <laughs> one, one civilization out there to millions. So, yeah, right. Again, there's a lot of data that needs to be pu- uh, plugged in here, but astronomers are, if if you will, plugging away at that. Now, I wanted to mention uh, the Fermi paradox, and this is something I, get, I want you guys to uh, all put in your back pocket as you consider all the other information that we talk about today. The Fermi paradox is from the Nobel Prize-winning physicist Enrico Fermi, and he reasoned that if it takes life billions of years to develop intelligence and signal or travel to the stars, and if there are billions of worlds in the universe, and if the universe is over 13 billion years old, then why haven't we been visited by an extraterrestrial? Or why isn't the galaxy crawling with extraterrestrials? Yeah. This is something we'll, we'll get to later. But that's that's a good question, right? Yeah. I mean, it's, uh, Stephen Hawking brought up the same thing with time travel. If, uh, if time travel was possible, is possible, will be possible, why have we not been visited by a time traveler? Like, it's just kind of a, a basic, you know, show me level of, uh, of, of analysis. Okay, there are aliens? Great. Show me one. Show me the alien. Put it on the table for me to see. Because the time traveler erased our memory. <laughs> yeah. And then, you know, he's then 
certainly you could you can you can roll out varying levels of uh, yeah, conspiracy and and explanations on top of it. But it, you know, at, at the at the very root, it's just a question of all right, if they're aliens, then we should have seen them. We should see them, and then you can you can apply your own excuses as to why we have not. All right. Well, on that note, we're going to actually call this an episode. We are splitting the SETI uh, episode up into two episodes. So this was part one. Part two will publish very shortly. So be on the lookout for that. In the time being, if you have uh, any kind of uh, feedback on part one, you can find us on Facebook and you can find us on Tumblr. We are Stuff to Blow Your Mind on both of those. And we use the handle Blow the Mind on Twitter. And you can always drop us a line at BlowTheMind at Discovery.com. For more on this and thousands of other topics, visit HowStuffWorks.com. <laughs>